You ready? Ready as we'll ever be. Yep. Eventually, I was able to speak Spanish and English fluently, which led to the discovery of both Spanish and English, Spanglish. Awakening, the resurrection, anything else that that sounds like it could be in a cliche sequel to a movie. A threequel. The, the, the threequel. Yes. What you know, if a if a film series even dares feel like they're up to that to that challenge, you know, to feel like they're good enough to go to that to that to that to that point, you know, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Unlike Shark Movie Three. Yeah, 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 yeah. What I'm saying is, ILS, in living Spanish. The Cado Mexicano, the only man that matters on this show, is back, baby. <laughs> I mean, I know y'all missed it. I know you missed it, this this uh, eloquent, supple, uh, just anything that has to do with richness, with with the vibe, with royalty, with just swag, with you know the drip and everything. I'm back, baby. It's, it's ILS season three. We out here. I'm really getting dangerous. You know, you know what it is, man. Shout out to everybody on the West Coast, East Coast, down south, up north, Midwest. Shot town. I see you. Except you. Okay. All right. Hi, folks. Hi, Vigente. It is back in Living Spain with season three, and I am your co-host here, Vero Fuerte, with my homie uh, from just from forever and ever and ever, Mexicano. All right. Uh, so, uh, are we? What are we doing first, man? My gosh, it feels like forever. Are we doing? It is. Birthdays? We're doing a catch up. Yeah, we're doing a catch-up. We're doing a catch-up, man. Like, like, uh, make sure to talk it to the mic directly. Like this. Boom, boom, boom. As much as you can. Mm-hmm. And if you have to turn it, don't be afraid to turn the mic as well. Okay. All right. All right. Are you through coaching me on air? No, no, no. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I'm right. not done. Uh, right. nah. But uh, so all seriousness, it's good to be back. Well, we took a, a pretty extensive break. Uh, What was the last episode? It was in... It was like the second week of May. Second week of May, yeah. yeah. It was, so what's uh, been going on with you since then, Mexicano? Like, uh, I don't live with you under the same roof. <laughs> I mean, it's about, it's been a lot of the same thing. You know, a lot of uh, work, obviously, is uh, always um, a grind. It's, it's only gotten more and more since then. Uh, just still adapting, still trying to understand what exactly my role is a year in. Uh, it's been officially like a year as of September 1st that I've been that I've been uh, working there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, but it's also just a means of like, you know, just me involving as a person, me, you know, trying to get better is like, you know, to see myself as like a worthy person. Um, of course, there's that. And of course, there's all the other things, just me, just vibing with people, uh, making beats, making content, just, you know, me being me. So, you know, it, I, don't, I don't stop when it comes to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Can't stop, won't stop. And me, myself and I uh my gosh i don't know like just like the on the surface stuff i got uh certification to be a spanish interpreter so shouts out to that 
uh that's been a crazy long journey especially for someone who you know uh forgot forgot all her spanish uh growing up and made it her mission to not just relearn the language but relearn it to a point where she could interpret for those people uh, those people in need so that was a big deal um i got a cat so shout out to my favorite guy in the universe frank ocean yeah worthy right now um i don't know he's probably out like probably went to the kitchen chewing something or peeing on something I'm yeah sure. i don't know yeah uh we're we're finally experiencing the the great joys of what it is to have a uh a creature such as a franklin walk around on the day on a daily yeah. basis franklin frankenstein frank ocean you already know like here's the thing is that i've learned that pet people are just as annoying as baby people because as soon as anybody gives me the slightest chance at all i will talk their fucking ear off. oh if not worse I, I was gonna say, if not worse, sometimes it is like it's and like I and the thing is, it's so incredibly meta because I start because if you start talking about your animal to somebody else with an animal, they'll start they'll look you in the eyes and suddenly there's like an understanding and they'll start pulling out their phone and flipping through all these photos of their animal doing the most innocuous shit that you don't give a damn about. No. but if it was your animal, you're like, oh no. But my animal does it the cutest shit ever, mm -hmm. you know? And I never thought I'd be that person, but I am so completely that person. And I'm okay with it. I made peace with you it. You become so. what you hate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, other than that, you know, uh, Vero Fuerte back on the dating scene. So I've been bumbling it up, you know. Um, plenty of stories to go along with that. I'm sure we'll uh, dive deep into them in a later season. Uh, so that's been really exciting. And, you know, just... Like you said, just trying to be the best version of me, trying to figure out what that version of me is and how we can cultivate a better uh, community and communion and just creative space for us, you know, uh, just being the best us. Yeah. Pretty much it. Yeah. And, you, and me, I'm um, still single. Uh, but, you know, I'm enjoying it, of course. But shout out to all the single mothers out there. You know, I love all of y'all. Uh, especially yeah, the ones, so. especially very the ones that's been so. you know left behind in the dust by by a man done dirty. You know, I'm mm -hmm. feeling for you. You know, I'm 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 out here. You know, thinking about you, whoever you are. Yeah, Mexicanos just to call away, ladies. You dig? Come on, mm -hmm. I ain't finna raise no child, but you know, I'm gonna call away. <laughs> Okay, alright, so what we have coming up next is, you guys already know it, you guys already love it, it's the Latinx birthdays. So, uh, of course, we have a lot of uh, Latinos birthdays that uh, came through since we've been gone, but the ones that we're going to mention for the month of September is September 1st, happy birthday to Gloria Estefan, and then September 10th, happy birthday to Jose Feliciano. So Jose Feliciano, fun fact, is a Puerto Rican guitarist, most famous for writing the song Feliz Navidad that we all know and love. So happy birthday to those two. A classic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what do we have going on in the news today, Mexicano? What do we have going on in the news, Vettel? Because I don't have my notes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, could, could you please give me a quick refresher of what's going on? I think there's something regarding um, uh, the criminalization of, of, uh, of abortion in Mexico. That's a big one. You want to you hit on that right quick? Yeah, so um, it was it was put out yesterday uh, through the Gram and the Verify through uh, various news sources that uh, the Supreme Court in Mexico officially decriminalized abortion. Mm -hmm. So shouts out to them. That's just uh, whether you believe it or n believe it in believe it in it or not. It's just a historic moment in history, and you know, you you love to see 
you love to see change being made the right way. And it's just, it's a really exciting time. And it's something that, you know, Mexico being as religion based as it is, you know, they don't have as fierce as what we're supposed to have with the separation of church and state here in the United States. It's like their church and state is very much, you know, woven into each other. So the fact that they've made this kind of change, it's, 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 it's monumental. It's a big ass deal. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that because you would think that certain countries would try to mirror that separation of church and state that we have here, but we clearly see with some decisions that have been made lately, those lines often get pretty blurry of like what's influencing what, especially in some particular states. Yeah, 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 exactly. So there's always that that big controversy, but it's crazy. And uh, just talking about what the recent changes in Mexico and over here, I mean, some people are saying like, will some American women's be forced to go to another country you know to have this procedure done mm-hmm. when they can't have it done here after a certain number of weeks you know like it's kind of it's kind of it's ironic that's the inverse weeks, six weeks that in the state of texas yeah like it's, it's crazy the inverse now how like previously it was mexican women from mexico coming over to the u.s mm-hmm. to get certain procedures done and now we can possibly see the other side of the coin the, the reverse mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, people still go to other countries to get other surgeries. Yeah, of course. Because probably they're cheaper or whatever. But as far as legalities yeah. go and, like, safety goes, yeah. we've always been the country that, that people fly to to get that shit done. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. you know, not anymore. Not, not anymore. And what does that say as far as, like, the infringement on our rights and stuff? Like, I mean, that's, that's up for you guys to decide. But, I mean, just shout out from, just shout out to Mexico. It's, uh, it, you, like I said, you love to see it, so. Yeah. Uh, so one of the next uh, little, little like, you know, lightheartedness to round out the middle between these two more uh, heavier topics. Uh, the last one's a little bit more heavier is the um, expansion of Topo Chico. So mm-hmm. for people who don't know, Topo Chico is a very uh, beloved mineral water that originates from Mexico. And, you know, previously for many, many years that it, it had only be obvious, it had only been distributed, obviously, in Mexico. But and uh, through various uh, states in the United States, such as Texas, Arizona, California. But as of uh, what, what really kind of made it more available to other states and where it became more widely recognized was because in 2017, Coca-Cola actually uh, I can't remember if they purchased a stake in the company or if they purchased the distribution rights. But in the United States, they have they, they distribute all Topo Chico bottles. So because of that, and, you know, Coca-Cola being Coca-Cola, they had a wider access to, you know, certain hubs, certain networks. Certain so, distribution in general. So yeah. because, of, yeah, so because of that, now it's available in all 50 states. And so now you're, you're kind of having this renaissance where people like in New York have never seen it in their life. And now they're getting a chance to finally try it and, like, really see how amazing it is. So, like, there's, like, hipsters in, like, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Who are like trying to chicken for the first time? I know. Thinking, and you know they're gonna glom onto the thinking that they're the first ones ever. Well, yeah, they're thinking that it's like this very like secret subculture kind of drink, uh, when really it's been really a conglomerate between Coca Cola and, and a company down in Mexico. So whereas previously it was kind of like this very like not underground, but it was a very kind of like unique local thing to a lot yeah, of places. Very regional thing between California and Texas and Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Now it's a lot, lot uh more accessible. So it's just great to see that they finally are having that that big reach with the with the wider audience in the United yeah. States. Shout out Topo Chicos, man. We keep that we keep that shit on stock in the Yeah, uh I mean I try to. That was another thing I read in the article. Mm-hmm. Because like everything else, there's been a shortage mm-hmm. of stuff. Topo Chico has also been affected. Mm-hmm. And lately for the past three weeks, that's why you haven't seen it here lately. Because yeah. it's hard to find. 
Yeah, I've been looking for some of my own bottles in it. Like, it's been hard to find in the stores, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And then the last story, Mexicano, that yeah. coming up. Yeah, kind of like, you know, a lot more sentimental. So, tomorrow, we're, so we're recording this on September 10th. So, tomorrow is obviously September Saturday, 11th. September 11th. You know, so a uh, very uh, monumental day in the United States. A uh, day that, you know, most people living alive today remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, pretty much changed, you know, how we've gone from then till now. And, you know, it's crazy just looking at the recent events that's happened with us leaving Afghanistan and just how kind of like history repeats itself with like kind of like the tumultuous and like the craziness going on over there, like it did back in 2001, 2002, 2003. But with that, kind of like wanted to like dive into like a little smaller segment regarding certain uh, people who were part of the cleanup crew, uh, not at Ground Zero, but more so like the buildings that were kind of affected by the towers coming down and how most of those people are of like immigrants. They're, they're immigrants, they're immigrant descent, and most of them are here illegally. Uh, but and because of that, a lot of them have like suffered a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, what would you say? Kind of like uh, side effects. Yeah, my, yeah, medical. Uh, yeah, side effects yeah, from like breathing in the dust. Effects, medical illness, asbestos. Uh, I mean, yeah. that shit cannot be good for you. No, no, no. Of course, and a lot of people have developed developed a lot of uh, critical conditions because mm-hmm. of this, and because of their illegal status, most of them are afraid to go to a medical facility or even like just ask if there's anything available for them. Which I I, I later found out there was for people who helped clean uh clean up uh, after September 11th. But because these people usually don't speak English and aren't, aren't usually tapped into these networks, they probably don't even find about the free services that are available. Yeah. So it just kind of goes to show you that. The, and there are people still suffering because of this. You know, uh, I read the article. Yeah, because a lot of those things can be long-term health effects. Oh, I mean, yeah, for sure. can follow you around for years. And not just, not just physical, like mental. There's people that still suffer from PTSD because you got to realize they were going into these buildings and seeing people. And they were there while cleaning. They would see people's bodies being dragged out, you know, because it was like, you know still bodies to be unearthed from, you know, the ground. Yeah, so yeah. there's people that, like, suffer from my mental illness as well as like, physical illness now that are everlasting, and all they want is just some decent medical care. Mm-hmm. But because of, like, their situation, a lot of them see, like, no choice other than to either go back or somehow, you know, make it big and, you know, hopefully they get, like, a settlement out of, you know, what the uh, the dust and all that had done to their body that's just so wild to me because you think about like the fact that they were the main ones i don't know if ironic is the right word that those people who are technically not actual citizens of our country were the ones that had to clean up the mess of you know our terrorism and our war and the very least that we can do is try to take care of them at like after all of this time. And it's just, I don't know, it's just the most ironic shit ever. And it's just so, I don't know, in some, so, in some weird idealistic version of America, what we think being American is, it feels like the very antithesis of that. Yeah, 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 it does kind of just go to show that, you know, they're, why you think that oftentimes, those type of people get celebrated. There's always going to be that that fact that faction that com- mm-hmm. that could go completely unnoticed and forgotten about. Pretty much, essentially, just because that they don't have the legal right to be here. Mm-hmm. So you know, some people see it as not not their problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, very sad situation. But it's just just really one of those smaller things you have to think about when it comes to the effects that that day, yeah. you know, caused. 
since then. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, absolutely. I mean, and, and I mean, it goes on a smaller scale too. Like uh, people that do provide cleaning services and things like that. I mean, think about the amount of fumes that they breathe in, right? Um, I mean that I'm sure that that has some sort of like ranking, uh, ranking of like effects too, even if it's on a smaller scale. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. You want to go into the uh, the big new th- segment that we have? Coming into season three? Yes, yes. So uh, this season three, we wanted to go ahead and switch things up, do things a little bit differently. And we thought, what better way than to truly rep for the community, to truly rep for the proud city that we live in, right? Uh, mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. Uh, here in Fort Worth, Texas, then to start, you know, just getting really in touch with all the local artists, promoters, um, you know, movers and shakers here in the city. So we have a wonderful interview coming up here by the none other Smooth Vega. And uh, he is a promoter and uh, artist here um, in Fort Worth. And now he is bringing other people up with him. He has done so much for the community. We cannot wait for you to listen up and, uh, you know, just just put him even more on the map than he already is. Yeah. So if you've never heard of him, hopefully this... Uh... This quick interview will uh, kind of provide you with a little bit more insight and, you know, hope, you know, hopefully it will give you uh, some perspective of like, you know, how much somebody, even if you've ever heard of them before, how much they can have in like a, you know, very regional, local kind of kind of scene. So, yep, here you go. And we have a very special guest, uh, our very first guest, um, a legend within the city of uh, Fort Worth, um, artist, um, musician. Um, manager, uh, we saw somewhere that you don't like the word promoter, uh, <laughs> but I mean, but you know, so we're gonna stay away from that label. But if you've seen, <laughs> but if you, you know, if you've seen a lot of your favorite artists come through the city, it was probably because of this man right here, uh, Smooth Vega. Uh, you know, it's an honor to have you as our first guest on this new segment we're doing a part of, as part of our podcast. So, uh, uh, did I miss anything? Is there anything else uh, you want to say? Uh, graphic designer, web designer, uh, <laughs> social media manager. Yeah, yeah, we're nah. gonna get into that. Like as far as like nah, your, your your content creator. You. Nah, you nailed it, man. I appreciate the kind words, and I'm excited to be on here with you guys. Yeah, and uh, just to like really set the tone, like we're still very much new to the city. Like we're not originally from here, so what we're trying to do with the segment is like really give a voice and like really you know put on people on this platform, you know, your name speaks for yourself. You know, you don't really need us per se, but you know, there's probably people around the world, around the United States who still haven't, you know, who probably don't know who you are. So it's just, you know, to give people that shine, to let them know that, Hey, pe- those people exist everywhere, including Fort Worth. So, um, with that being said, uh, we were doing our Googles of you and, you know, as soon as you, you type in your name, you know, a plethora of things come across. So just to kind of give us, uh, a quick background of yourself, you know, and how you uh, came to be where you are now. Uh, you know what? I've always kind of told the story the same way, which is like, I started with the aspirations of being a recording artist. So when I was 13, I went to the recording studio and I think that's what ultimately changed my life. You know, when I was 15, I started recording music. And then so kind of went through the, the, the journey of being an independent artist and then as time progressed and as I got my name value, oh, I started getting experience and my name started getting up in the city. I wasn't getting booked for the type of gigs that I wanted to get booked for. So, and then to, to the point earlier, there wasn't really a lot of major artists coming to the city at the time. 
and the shows that were being that were coming in, I wasn't part of them, and I didn't know how or why that was the case. So ultimately, I just got into doing shows myself, and I became a promoter uh, as a result of that. And I just had a super high success rate in doing that. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty much from that point forward, it spawned everything else. It spawned me, you know, developing and working with artists. Uh, me getting into social media management way before it was called social media management. I was doing that stuff. And also, you know, just really transitioning from being just a recording artist to more of an entrepreneur and having an entrepreneur mentality of like, anything I want to do, I'm going to do. So if I say I'm going to start a clothing line, I'm going to start a clothing line. If I say I'm going to do a concert, I'm going to do a concert. If I say I'm going to do a festival, I'm going to do a festival. If I say I'm going to start a record label, I'm going to start a record label like, no limitations whatsoever. And yeah, that's kind of my uh, my story. You know, kind of the guy that I don't think a lot of people expected it from. Uh, the guy that on paper, if you're a, a sports fan, probably didn't, you know, wasn't the most athletic, wasn't the tallest, wasn't the fastest, wasn't the strongest, but just had the one the one thing that you need to, to move the needle, and that's the want. Uh, you could teach all those other, you could teach a lot of things, but you can't teach somebody to want something. I've always felt that that's the one quality that set me apart from a lot of people is, you know, whatever the case may be, I might have not been the nat the most naturally skilled guy, but I was always the guy that wanted it more than everybody else. And I feel that shows in my in my uh, resume. That's dope. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think with all that, I guess uh, that that culminated in this most recent event that happened with uh, Santo Popular, which I know uh, just reading through the article with a, a tribute is a tribute to your mother. Um, <laughs> just how does something like that? just you know happen because you know you you hear about events like this happening like let's say west coast you know east coast you know dallas you know houston but not so much fort worth so like when we saw it and when we actually went for ourselves uh it was crazy just to kind of see like all the artists and there, you know there's artists that we had never seen before so it was crazy to get that exposure um and see all these different types of people in this one spot so you know how did it how did something like that come to be and what it turned out to be First and foremost, I appreciate you guys going, and it means a lot uh, for you guys to just support as ticket buyers, you know. Uh, but I would say the origin of the event, it, it's just kind of like natural progression, right? You know, like I've been doing live events since 2007, and I had a huge success rate in doing live events in 2007, 2008, 2009. In fact, if you ask me, that run was my most special run out of any run that I've ever had because. Not only was it my first, but it was way before social media was like as prevalent as it is now. So like people were really buying tickets to these events the day of. There wasn't advanced tickets back then. So uh I've been doing it for a long time. You know, I got I launched my company Premier Live Experience in 2015, 2016. And from 2015, 2016 up to about 2020, I was just routing tours. You know, I was routing tours for a lot of major artists. But I think the truth is is that there was it's like everything else it's evolution it always has to lead to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing and being a promoter i've been doing it for so long so it's kind of like well shit what's next and uh, i remember having a conversation with uh joe budden's manager uh one of one of his managers Corey newton you know and i you know Corey's a really good friend of mine i consider him somewhat of a mentor as well and Corey was like hey man i just think it's time for you to jump into the to the festival space and festivals for those that don't know they just carry more weight with live events it's it's like a it's a it's a more it's a bigger show it's a big stack bill obviously and 
um, just in terms of like artists wanting to play, agencies wanting their artists to play, it's just a bigger deal. And I had always been hesitant to jump into that space because I've never want to do something half-assed. Right. And um, it was just time, man. You know, it was time. You know, uh, I kind of looked at everybody that was doing festivals, and it didn't matter how big it was or how it, how big it. You know, like I, I wasn't looking at the scale of it. I was looking at like I just have to do something, mm-hmm. and I want to do something in the land space because no one's really catering to the Latin demographic. And not only that, but we hadn't had anything like this in Fort Worth since 2009. And so because there was such a gap between that Latin Fest in 2009 to what we were doing this year, it just felt right. You know, it felt right. And in the process, you know, when we were getting closer, you know, I started fleshing out the idea at the end of last year. I met with Billy Bob's Texas and we discussed, you know, possibly doing it together. And then, you know, I started having conversations with artists about who I wanted to be part of this event. I I started going, what am I going to name this event? I don't even know what I'm going to name this event. And uh, a good friend of mine, Louie, actually had told me, man, you know, you should name it the Smooth Vegas Summer Jam. I was this close (laughs) to naming it the Smooth Vegas Summer Jam. He convinced me that it was going to be the event of all events. You need to just own it and say it's your event. But something told me, like, man, I want to give it a Latin flair. And when I started thinking about stuff, ironically, I had been having a lot of dreams of my mom and my, my brother and some of our childhood memories growing up in the in the video store that you alluded to. And, uh, you know, my mom owned this record shop from the time I was born to about the time I was 11, 12 years old. So, man, dude, it just, as I, as I thought about it, and I was like, well, what should I name this event? I was like, you know what, man, Santa told me to name it after her shop, which is Santa Popular, Central Popular. And it just felt like a full circle moment, you know what I'm saying? Because it was something that, like, you know, I I never really credit my mother for giving me the hustle and the grind and the entrepreneurship. I always gave my dad that. I used to always tell people I have my mom's heart, my dad's hustle. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is my dad has had a nine to five from the time I was born to now. He's, you know, however old he is now, he still has a nine to five. He works his ass off. He's a hardworking guy. I love him. But. I, I never looked at my mom in that sense, not knowing that she was the independent business owner from the time I was born to the time I was 12. Eventually, yeah, she did get a job whenever the business went upside down. But for her being a Mexican immigrant, someone that was born in Mexico, you know, moved to the States when she was a teenager, moves to California and then relocates to Texas and eventually starts her business in 84, 85. And to have that business go all the way through 96, 97, that's pretty fucking impressive. Mm. So I felt, you know, I wanted to bring it back around and that's how I did it. So that's kind of giving you the background and the origin of it. And as it started developing and as it started becoming public, dude, it just started becoming very overwhelming for me because it was more than an event. Like I could have had a thousand people there. I could have had 2000 people there. I could have had 500 people. It didn't not matter because I was able to bring this name back to the forefront. Yeah. And I was doing a lot of media and, you know, I was doing the news. I did everything. And it just felt good, good to know, like, like I don't know. It just felt good to be able to bring that name back to the light. And hopefully people do their research now. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, we, you know, like I said, we were super impressed. Uh, and I'm sure there's been probably other people that have probably, you know, expressed the same sentiment, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, man, I, I'll tell you what, guys. Like, If you guys have never been to an event that I've put together pre- prior to this, 
you guys are are are, are walking into a situation where I've I've essentially prepped for that event for the past fourteen years to win my events. I've essentially had a, a fourteen year head start of knowing how to run a show and you know doing certain things. So you know I did team up with a, a company out here named Fortress Presents that provided the space and some of the logistical stuff. But ultimately, you know, the booking aspect, the the, the promotion, the aesthetics that that was one hundred percent me you know what i mean like and it shows but i mean you know i again i appreciate it i think that's why it was a lot more polished than the average event you know because it's like damn this is this feels like a big concert yeah especially if you guys were there towards the end of the night whenever twist and then bash yeah 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 yeah, absolutely um and i i love everything that you had to say i think that that's beautiful smooth especially you know considering it's all an homage to your mom at the end of the day you know the whole entire thing and what you had said about catering to the latino space i i can tell you from firsthand experience because i just recently moved to fort worth uh from a teeny tiny town back in november and i had never been to an event like that before in my life and just walking in and Yes, the musicians, but also the vendors, you know, everything was like Latin based, Latin owned, and really it gives you a sense of, of, of pride because even though we know that we're out here like that, it's very rare, especially in the Fort Worth space or just in the DFW space in general, that we can all culminate in a space where everyone else can see, yeah, we are out here like that. And uh, so thank you for, for, you know, being a part of putting all of that together. Cause it was just, I gotta tell you, it was a really overwhelming feeling, man. It was really cool. Oh man. Thank you. And that means so much to me. Cause like, whenever I think about like all the struggles that my mom went through and then, you know, losing her and then to fast forward to now, like, even like so to kind of give you guys a background at the beginning of the year i was on clubhouse a lot mm-hmm. so i don't know if you guys are in clubhouse yeah, yeah. and i started getting on clubhouse a lot and uh i almost was on there like a case study and i would get in a lot of these rooms and they would talk about latinos and latinos unidos and what latino needs and all this stuff about like why aren't we on the forefront the way that we need to be and i'm not a, i'm not one of those guys that likes to focus on the problem i focus on the solution mm-hmm. and the truth is is you can either be part of the problem or you can be part of the solution, point blank period. There's no in there, there's no in between there. So I said, look, man, I took it as a personal challenge because I spent so many years getting out of the land space and just doing tours for people like, you know, whether it was Nipsey Hustle, Jordan Lucas, Dave East, mm-hmm. A Boogie with the Hoodie, the game, yep. Ja and Ashante. I was in the urban space, you know, every Texas rapper you can think of. I was working with those guys to this day. I was with Paul Wall yesterday, good friend of mine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I made an effort to go, man, you know, if I if I do it in the land space, I never want to be looked at as someone that's only good for being in the land space. I've always wanted to be respected for my mind as a music mind. Uh, but I always knew at some point or another, I wanted to bring it back. It's kind of like, I don't know how much of you guys watch pro wrestling, but it was like The Rock. You know, The yeah. Rock left WWE, he mm-hmm. left pro wrestling, and then went and conquered Hollywood. And he said, when the time was right, I wanted to bring it back. Mm -hmm. Well, I felt like it was time for me to bring it back. I made my name outside of the land space. 
I was able to prove that I could do it out of the land space. And now let me give back to the land space because now I have more resources to provide for the land space. Mm-hmm. And to your point, yeah, we had vendors, all kinds of vendors that, you know, were for the most part, majority land-based. It's like, we're the majority, majority minority and we have so much buying power. And I know that it's not that we don't show out or show it or prove it. It's just that we don't have enough mouthpieces and enough people articulating, hey, we're here. This is why we're what we are. And this is how we do what we do. And I feel that whether or not I'm the the quote-unquote ideal spokesperson, I feel like that's been something that this year has really brought for me is being able to own that, being that representation and being able to be on the Channel 8 News and talk, talk, you know, about this event in Fort Worth. You know what I mean? That, like, nobody's thinking about Fort Worth the way they're thinking about Dallas. And really, there's not this type of event anywhere in Texas or anywhere in the South region, for that matter. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was really cool. And I'm just, I'm, I, it means a lot to me that, that, you know, you said that. So it's, I'm glad that you took pride in it because I'm equally as proud of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, speaking there, speaking of Fort Worth in general, I was really curious because just because of your history as an artist and then, you know, your transition to like manager and all of the different things that you do, what, how would you... What would you think is the biggest thing that makes a person stand out now, even if it's just standing out in your own city, in your own town? Like like you said, Fort Worth is not Dallas. Fort Worth is not considered Houston, but Fort Worth can still have a name in its own right. So what would you do as an artist now that you've experienced both sides of the coin through management and otherwise to stand out? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. I think... Um... You know, people fail to realize, like, Fort Worth, you know, the 13th most populated city in the United States. Mm. You know, uh, it's interesting how big Texas is because Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, and I believe El Paso, in addition to Fort Worth, are six of the top 13 most populated cities in the whole entire United States. Mm -hmm. So we're not a small city by any means. We're bigger than population-wise, Atlanta, the Pittsburgh, and several other, San Francisco, you name it, we're, we're more populated. And when people put that into perspective, it's like, if you're able to make a name for yourself in a, in a city that is as populated as this, you can be a player. How you stand out is ultimately in your approach. And I believe a lot of that is correlates to authenticity and being yourself and just being the best version of you, you know, being original, which is it can be. Uh, there's layers to being an artist. There's layers to, to being a personality. There's layers to even having a podcast or being anything. And when you start peeling back those layers, how do people identify with you? You're like, are you easy to digest? Are people, can we understand you? You mentioned XB Valentine. That's an artist that I started managing this year. XB Valentine. When I met her in 2019, she was 240 pounds. She was a heavy girl. She didn't look anything the way she looks now. And I always tell her that's not, she hasn't even leveraged that as part of her story yet. To show, hey, you know what? I used to be this heavy set girl. Now I'm dropped all this weight, and now I'm living my dream. She hasn't even tapped into that story. Yet. Mm-hmm. What she's tapping into is that she's an LGBTQ artist. She's Latina, and and I call her a triple minority. She's a female. She's Mexican, and she's gay. Mm-hmm. But but 
she represents it in a way that she's not ashamed of any of it. And that that adds multiple layers to who she is and what she stands for. Because to me, if you stand for something, people will stand for you. So I think in order for you to stand out, you have to have some of that. Maybe not to that extent, but the artist, in my opinion, over the years that I grew up listening to, that I grew up admiring artists like Tupac, artists like Eminem, like they had so many layers and they, they were vulnerable and they were authentic and they allowed you in. And therefore it was easy to just connect and go, man, this is someone that I really support. So that's what I feel that uh, a lot of the the artists, not just locally or regionally, but in general, they, they lack that, that, that substance. And I think that a lot of people don't understand that that plays a really important part in people connecting with you. And I'll end with this. If you go to XB Valentine's Instagram page, you don't even have to hear her music. But if you go on her page, the first thing you're going to see on her page is XB Valentine, a Mexican flag and a rainbow flag. Mm -hmm. Within five seconds, that's not that, like it's like an elevator pitch, mm -hmm. right? When you go to like, when you go to a job and somebody goes, "Why should I hire you?" X Y Z. You should be able to say your elevator pitch in 15 seconds. People on social media don't take time to dig into your content a lot of times because they don't know who you are. So the moment they get on your page, they have to be able to digest it instantly. So as soon as you get on her page, you see those two flags. You never had to hear about her. You never had to hear her music. You know instantly in the first three to five seconds who she is and what she represents without even talking to her or hearing her. So I hope that kind of answers the question. I hope that makes sense to people that may listen because you have to be able to connect and make it easy to connect with you and, and and it's easy to digest if that makes sense yeah yeah it does definitely does and uh and also just on top of that just her having just a great quality sound you know on top of that just makes her like just a, a killer combination <laughs> i know i had that uh that that low-key track with her and paul wall on repeat today i was just like I'm gonna, it, it's crazy because so it just sounds so good it's just such quality music um so definitely and uh I like how you touched on authenticity because I was actually talking to Veronica about that today in regards to like, I feel that Fort Worth, you know, with artists like, like the Go Yayos, like, you know, uh, Kenny B's, um, Bugatti Casino, I feel like they kind of brought back that authenticity, you know, whether you agree with the message or not, they kind of, Fort Worth kind of brought back that street sound to the DFW area and kind of got Dallas popping to what it is kind of now. And you know, you mentioned that, you know, when you, you dig into like Go Yeo and mm -hmm. that whole wave of rappers that kind of came in, mm -hmm. uh, Yeo in specific, uh, I, I, I remember talking to him several years ago and just saying like, man, you, you realize that what you're doing has never been done. And what's so crazy to me is that we're doing it blindfolded. Mm -hmm. They had no strategy. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. This is actually probably the most impressive thing that anyone could say about them. They had no real strategy. They were just raw talent that connected. Mm -hmm. And 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 that's because it was it felt real. It felt authentic. Yeah. You know, and they, if they would have had strategy, they could have maximized more. They never really had like a website or a merchandise front, or they never really went on tour. These guys were just naturally connecting and people were responding to it. And I do believe that that started the wave and I think Dallas followed suit after that. Yeah. And I used to always make this argument. I used to say, man, if you really dissect 
Fort Worth and Dallas, right? Because, you know, I've had engineers, I've had people close to me tell me that Fort Worth to Dallas is what New Jersey is to New York. Right. You know, we're yeah, the city yeah. across the bridge. Yeah. And there is some truth to that. Uh, but I go, if you really go head to head and you pin some of the artists on the Dallas side that's not, that aren't signed to a major label or that weren't signed to a major label, especially around the time that Gayo was emerging, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, mm -hmm. bar none, the Fulworth artists were actually bringing in more views, had more followers, and that's not like a make-believe metric. Right. Yeah. That's not me selling my city. This is something that I actually went and I cross-referenced. And so when you view it from that perspective, uh, it's there, man. It's always been there. It's just a matter of what we do with it, man. Mm -hmm. Look, I, I in 2006... I share this story often. I don't think I've ever done it in an interview, but in 2006, um, I was at the Fort Worth Weekly Music Awards and I came across Baron Morris. She was performing there. And after the, the event, uh, the nominee that me and her beat, because this nominee that was up against us that no longer makes music, she was nominated for an award in one of her categories and one of my categories. And I won a Marin one. And, uh, she went online after she lost to both of us and she trashed both of us. Hmm. And me and Marin and, her, you know, I reached out, I reached out, obviously it was her dad running her account. We ended up connecting and then the next year we ended up campaigning together. And I was always very supportive of Marin, not knowing that Marin would go on to win a, a fucking Grammy and be one of the biggest country artists in the world. She was here in Fort Worth for a very long time. And she was playing at Lola Saloon and doing all the, all the gigs around here right under our nose years later snow the product moves to forward texas you know 2008 mm -hmm. you know by the time 2011 2012 hit regardless of whether or not it was a result of forward or not she was residing in forward texas when she signed to atlantic records that is a fact then you go on to leon bridges leon bridges you know who's now a grammy award-winning artist as well a lot of people don't know this whenever i was working with louis uh louis the singer who was Mm -hmm. actually performed at the festival. Louis, uh, essentially I was managing his career because I had discovered him, a good friend of mine to this day. And Louis actually had a keyboard player by the name of Octavian. And Octavian's the one that discovered Leon. Leon's first time ever on stage was at House of Blues as a backup singer to Louis' set, which was on my set. So in, in a sense, he was on my set as part of Louis said, and that was the first time we was on stage. There's a photo of us from 2011 that that has all of us in the photo with me, Louis, Octavian, Jay Beats, and Leon Bridges. And that was the first time he was ever on stage. And now he's one of the biggest national recording artists in the world. That's crazy. And he's from Fort Worth. So those are three situations that I just named without even blinking. And that goes, and we can keep on going with other artists from from even longer that have had success that are from Fort Worth. And at times I think people, you know, make up excuses and say, oh, you know, Fort Worth this, Fort Worth that. It's like, no, man, like it, there's an opportunity there. And I had a conversation with the talent one time and, and this is a, a, a difficult conversation to have, but it's a real conversation. I said, you know, Leon made it. This is like Fort Worth thing I'm nothing for me. I'm going to leave forward in a big enough city. Labels ain't this, labels ain't that. They're not looking for 
talent in Fort Worth. And this is right before Yayo was like really emerging because Yayo also got a lot of label attention, which again yep. proves that Fort Worth is not the issue. And I told him, I said, that's not the case. Leon just got signed and they courted him. They scouted him and they came down here for him. He said, well, man, that's the thing. Leon's an exceptional talent. I said, well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe you're just not an exceptional talent. Mm. You know what I'm saying? To yeah. become exceptional. And people will find you. And I think that's the thing about talent within not only this city, but in any city. If you work extremely hard and you become undeniable and exceptional, you will get that break. It doesn't matter if you're in Fort Worth, Fort Smith, Fort Hood, <laughs> you're going to get that opportunity. Yeah. So uh, I think Gayo was a, a catalyst, uh, you know, on the hip hop side after Leon's success emerged. Showing like, yo, you know what? These guys in Fort Worth can really put up numbers on the hip hop side, and there's been several others, but he's the most prominent in that sense, you know. Right. So. Absolutely, absolutely, and so, uh, with all of that being said, because you did mention um, uh, the talent that you were working with, if you had to give one piece of advice to any artist or musician that's currently trying to come up right here in the Fort Worth area, what would you tell them right now? I, you know, it kind of goes back to what I told you, you know, be yourself. There's no one that's going to be better at being you than you. I think you have to define what, you know, what goals are to you and what they mean to you. And what I mean by that is like, okay, like, think about it. You know, success is subjective. Everybody has a different definition, a different definition of what success means to them. What I deem successful may not be what you guys deem successful. Mm -hmm. Some people are in it for the money others for the notoriety, the fame, others for the accolades and awards. Maybe somebody, you know, accounts for all of those things. But not everybody views it the same exact way. So you can't measure your success based off of somebody else's success. You can't look at the other guy like, man, he got the fucking Lamborghini. And, and I don't. I'm, I'm less of a man or I'm less of a success because of that. Because that might not even be what you want. And it shouldn't be what you want. So you have to define what it is that you want to know exactly what you're aiming for it's kind of like uh the analogy i use is like you know if you you you're, you're into pro sports and you're about to go play a pro football game it's like okay you know you're going out on the football field without a playbook so as soon as the play runs you don't know where you're going so you know it doesn't matter if you drive 100 miles per hour you might look good driving 100 miles per hour but if you don't know where you're going you're eventually going to run out of gas so you just have to know what your destination is. And I think that's the first and most important thing when establishing your own expectations and and set goals, you know, self-development goals, uh, you know, break it down quarterly, three, six, nine, 12, and, and, you know, really, really, you know, set them and then, and then find ways to attain them and hold yourself accountable to when you don't attain them. And I think, you know, the last piece of advice I would give to any artist is just don't complicate your journey. You know what I mean? Because if I was to run, if my car was to break down right now, I don't know shit about fixing cars. I'm not even going to attempt to fix it. I'm going to take it to a mechanic. I understand being prideful. I understand the fact that some people aren't as communicative as others. And I understand that not everybody, you know, thinks and views things the same way. But if you do not know how to do something, find someone that does know how to do it. Hire them, 
consult with them, connect with them, do whatever you have to do to fill the void that you may not be good at. And that will make things 20 times easier. Take it from me because I feel like I took too long to figure that one out. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Thank yeah. you so yeah. much, Smooth. This was awesome. And I have one more question for you that Ricardo is probably going to hate me for asking, but I just have to know. Okay. If you had to pick one restaurant, one restaurant alone in all of Fort Worth to eat at, what would you pick? Golly, that's a hard one. Uh, <laughs> I you know, know what? I know it's <laughs> so, so I would say it depends. If it's Mexican mm -hmm. uh, in Fort Worth, uh, I'm going to be biased to El Mil Tacos in the South Side of Fort Worth and Fresco Taco Spot, which is owned by my good friend, uh, you know, Elazar, Jinger, Salinas. they were at the festival too, right? Yeah, they were the ones that were at the mm -hmm. festival. I support them wholeheartedly. As a matter of fact, I took Paul Wall there Saturday and Paul Wall actually posted a photo on his Facebook. <laughs> and they're, they're really good, but they're actually more like North Tarrant Parkway, Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. uh, but if, if, it, if it wasn't Mexican, I'm just... I always go to this restaurant called Shady Oak because that was my mom's favorite restaurant. So I still go there all the time and I always tend to take people there. Uh, but no, guys, I appreciate you guys. Guys, let me get on the platform. Hopefully we can get XB Valentine on the platform. Yeah. I don't know if you guys yeah. know, but I have a talk show as well. I just did an interview with Chris Perez. Uh, Premier on TV? My yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, I, saw your, uh, I saw your SPM interview. I was like mm -hmm. super crazy. to. I was hyped to see that one. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. I just posted that one, man. Yeah. They've been getting a lot of sound bites, you know. I kind of jumped into that space. Yeah, uh, we could go into that space some other time, but yeah, man. If you guys continue to support XB, hopefully we we'll get her on here. Like I mentioned, you know, that's an artist that, you know, again she's emerging, and I I just started working with her officially. Uh, we announced that we were working together on March twenty second. We released her first song on April seventeenth, and from April seventeenth to September first, September second. Uh, we've we've done in four months. Now we're in month five. We've been able to assert and catapult her to now being, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Probably one of the top three most streamed independent Latinas. Probably top two right now. Yeah. And that's crazy how fast it's happening. But rest assured that it's like anything else. You know, most overnight successes take 10, 15 years. Uh, she's been working hard for a very long time, and I just saw a lot of me in her. You know, I, she reminded me a lot of myself. You know, she started at 15. I started recording at 15, even though I, I kind of got a head start prior to that. And just kind of seeing that and being able to uh, put her on records with Paul Wall, like you mentioned, the low-key song, uh, the record that she has with Bone Thugs and Harmony, the song she did with Baby Bash, seeing Baby Bash bring her out on stage was very overwhelming for me just to know that like I can legitimately help change somebody's life. And it's been uh, really cool to see that. So I appreciate you guys supporting her. Hopefully we can get her on the show and I encourage everybody that's listening to check her out. Cause I, I believe that if you give her a fair listen, you'll, you'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, once again, thank you very much for your time. Smooth. Um, where can they uh, find you at as far as like social media and all that? So at Smooth Vega, my company website Premier Live Experience, my YouTube channels Premier Live TV, uh, the YouTube channel like you mentioned, I keep mentioning, I have interviews with SPM, Chris Perez, Genuine, Jay Prince, just a lot of people on there. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's pretty cool stuff on there. A lot of good content. If you want advice, I'd probably advise you to just go to my YouTube channel. You'll find a lot of the gems within the interviews. You know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah guys i mean again i appreciate the interview and hopefully we can do it again man this is 
it's too short, man. That's why whenever I told you, man, how long is it going to be? Like 30, 45 minutes. I'm like, bro, I can go for an hour and 45, you know? Hey, 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 I tried to tell him. I was like, 30 minutes? Really? We'll, like, we'll, we'll, we'll do more on part two. Yes, you know, we get the yes, chance. Yes, yes. We'll, we'll meet again, I'm sure. Sounds good. Well, man, guys, I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, we'll connect sooner than later. Yeah. Yes. All right. Thank yes. you very much. All right. You have a good one. Okay. We are back. That was our interview. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed it. You know, got some quick gems. You know, kept you entertained for a little bit. So, yeah. Uh, so, now, moving on to the next thing. Uh, so, we're currently in the month of September. It is September 10th, like we said previously. And what a lot of people may not know, and I didn't know this for many years growing up because people just don't really talk about this, it is Hispanic Heritage Month. That's right. That's right. And actually, September 16th is going to be Mexican Independence Day. That means, yep, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's why, that's one of the reasons why I celebrate in September. So, it goes from September 15th to October 15th, which is a month, but it's weird that it starts at the very middle of the month. The middle of it. Hey, we do things different out here. It's all right. But uh, September 15th is significant, too, because it's the uh, Independence Day of a lot, a, lot, a lot of other Latin American countries, such mm-hmm. as El Salvador, Honduras, uh, Nicaragua, I think. There's a lot of countries that celebrate their independence, Latin American base, uh, on September 15th. Did you know that? No, I did not. Yeah. I did not. I didn't even know the Mexican Independence Day until I started working in the community center like really? literally a month ago. Really? Yeah, I just don't. Like like you said, if you're not from the country, I mean, and I'm like my lineage is from Mexico, but like I haven't been to Mexico since I was eight years old. So no, I don't know when my country would have gotten its independence. Oh, I mean, that's other crazy. than July 4th. Oh, that's you crazy. Knew? Yeah, I knew September 16th, yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't. Okay, so no, there's nothing wrong. Like I said, that's the point. Like uh-huh. some people just don't know, and, yeah, I, and I get that's it. Right, and I was one of them. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I get it. Um, but so yeah, um, I mean, there's not too much to say. I mean, it was started by LBJ back in the '60s. Forget him. Uh, and it was actually started as a week, uh, before it became a month. It became a month, uh, once Reagan got into office. So forget him as well. But, mm. um. Yeah, I don't know nothing about presidents, folks. That's all the history buff over here. Yeah, and it, it, and it just kind of like was a way of like kind of like celebrating and kind of like honoring the Hispanic Americans who have you know contributed to the to the you know the country. Uh, but I think for me, it kind of like always brings up like this like state of like being as mm-hmm. far as like kind of questioning like what it really is to be a Hispanic, you know, what it is to be like Latino, Latina, because. Being Hispanic is not a race, right? Being Latino is not a race. We've we talked, we we touched about, we talked the about this before. Between being Latino and being Hispanic, yeah, and we're not about to get into the minutia of like yeah. all of that because we we've touched on this many times before. But it just really goes to like show you just how complex and how diverse this side of the world is. Like I've always said, I've always told my friends this. Like I don't think, I think the discovery of the new world of North America, South America, Central America, everything is probably the most important historical event to ever happen. I think without that, you don't have this that we're looking at right now. Mm-hmm. None of this exists, and the world history has changed forever. Like, none of this says in what? Like, us being here. Like, us literally being here. Well, yeah, in Central America, North America, all of that, that's half the world, of course. Yeah, but the discovery of it. Yeah, exactly. If like, you didn't discover half the world, none of us would exist. That's what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Like, imagine, like, that's what I think is, like, one of the most significant things to ever happen. Like, imagine if it never happened. Like, really. Think think of like ships and stuff. The world wouldn't be here. Think of ships and stuff like that, never uh, cross cross seas. 
I don't know. I guess I just don't think about stuff like that. So you got to think of, you have to like. I guess. Okay, I just you don't have think to. think about the voyage of Christopher Columbus and, you know, uh, Don Quixote, even though he was in uh, an X-War. I don't know why I mentioned them. Like, but, yeah. like you don't. Like, you don't have to be, like, specific people. Just the, the motion that was sent to play. Yeah. Like, you don't have to, like, put names and faces. Like, literally, like, just the, the, the... I think I think about that as far as, like, my ancestors go. You know, as far as, like, my parents and my grand-grandparents y todo eso. I don't think about that as an extent of, like, you know, the people that are obsessed with, like, Ancestry.com. And I don't even think about it like me. that. No, but that does have something to do with I it. Just because think... it has to do with the people that, like you know, traveled from Europe and then like, their like great 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 grandfather immigrated here and became an Irish immigrant that worked in a potato factory for like right, twenty years, right. whatever. I guess I'm just looking at it from a more like just impact mm-hmm. wise. Not so much like the individual ancestry, this and this and that. Mm-hmm. And even like a collective ancestry. I'm looking at it from like just the sheer impact that that voyage, that uh trading, you know, slavery, all that had on pretty much every side well, of every corner of the world. Well, in about a hundred years, we'll see that. Uh, we'll see that come again when uh, people Elon Musk lands in Mars. So uh, yeah, <laughs> just but, saying, look out for it, guys. It's gonna be Earth all over again. Yeah, but did you know, we learned shit. We did not. Yeah, but just to kind of you know cap off this little quick segment, it it just really goes to show you the the truly the melting pot, the the mixture. Like I don't think you get a more diverse side of the world than this side. Like they're like like. All in all, you're you're a, you're a product of a, of a mix, of mixed races. Mm-hmm. I'm a product of mixed races. The majority of us are a product of mixed races. And of course, you you have people who are pur- purely European, purely African, purely Asian on this side of the world that like maybe set up shop in Mexico, Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay, you know what have you. But just the, the notion that you really don't know. What you are in a sense, you know. You know, they always talk about that when it comes to like black and white kids, right? Mm-hmm. Mixed kids, right? Yeah. You know, they really don't have a di- an identity almost yeah. to say. And you know, a lot can be said for for Hispanic kids. You know, I don't think I don't think they think about it as much. But you really get down to it. It's, it is a lot of time like this, this this validation for uh, to have an identity. I would I would almost argue the opposite. I feel like uh, especially with Hispanic kids, I feel like we even if I feel like we really like stand for our raza a lot of the times you know like like what our race is is a huge thing of pride for us i mean even you have to admit that you literally have like the mexican flag hanging over your bed you know so like in that sense you know who we are and where we come from is very very internalized and in us even as children like when it comes to latinos and Hispanics. right 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 and and that's because it's just been so many years of like just being this yeah right across like generations and generations like ultimately you have a big enough population that that is what it is mm-hmm. it's just this like if you're colombiano <clears throat> you're offended if you're called uh, puerto rican because you're not from puerto rico well that's more nationality based you know? when you start getting to that that's that's well, not that's, that's, that's not that's not racist that's yeah. nationality mm-hmm. but that's neither, neither here nor there mm-hmm. I, like i'm talking about like on the bare bulb skin like this like like this like cuz you could be uh, you could be asian and born in colombia and you'll still take offense if somebody calls you puerto rican cuz you're truly colombian uh-huh but are you this though you know that's what it is. Like I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. The mixing. Yeah. The mixing. That's the thing. Like you could be from anywhere and live somewhere and you will be considered that. But are you this? Uh-huh. That's the ultimate thing. Like are you a product of rape and genocide? Like that like if I didn't want to say these words, but like like that's what it is. Like 
or you're a product of, of of you know colonization because you don't have I mean, this without that like, are, not everybody not it not not all countries suffer not that a product of rape and genocide i'm not i'm saying that. like not all countries suffer in that way where it is like literally classes being created mm-hmm. through the mixing of races to, mm-hmm. so you can have a hierarchy of order yeah that's a very unique thing yeah, that's true. That's true. That's why you have uh that's uh, that's why uh Latinos, you know, sort of, you know, suffer with I- an identity crisis in that terms, you know. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, in that way, you know, and I think that is very interesting cuz when even when you think about the descendants of like um who we are as Mexicans, you know, just speaking from like my race is that like yes, a lot of us are from like uh an indigenous background, you know, like um Native Americans, things like that. And also also a lot of us, you know, outside of that, a lot of us, you know, do derive from Africa and do yeah. derive from, uh, like, Europe. And so, like, we can be European and African-American and, in, like, and indigenous, like, all in one yeah. and still be considered just Mexican. And, I mean, that's, that that is something really fascinating that I've just started getting into when it comes to, like, my own nationality as a Mexican woman. Yeah, and and it's funny that you bring up the nationality thing again because I think a lot of times because we have a... Because I think subconsciously we have a hard time identifying what we are, like, race-wise, mm-hmm. you know, you know, skin tone, whatever it may be, that the only thing you have is your nationality mm-hmm. at that point. Like, That's you can't true. identify with anything else but the place you were born. That's true. And let me tell you, that shit will get you into some, like, racially ambiguous conversations like no other mofo. Like, I have been called Egyptian, Brazilian, Puerto Rican, um, Hawaiian. I actually have a friend of a friend that calls me Nani on a regular basis. (laughs) So, yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that. Well, I'm sorry to all the Hawaiian women you offend on a daily basis. Excuse you. Okay. (laughs) Any hoosies. All right. What do we have next? What do we have next? What we got going on? Oh... What what is it anyway? Do we, are we gonna? Do, oh, okay. So let's switch it up. Let's switch it up a little bit. A little bit um, music related. You know, mm-hmm. been a lot of lot of lot of hot topics been going on since we left, but now we're back. Full in effect. And Hi- we came back just in time for like the biggest release of uh, a big release of like the biggest two albums that have come out in the last couple of months that have caught quite Easter. Yeah, of course you already know what it is. Uh, Jimmy Brooks, Champagne Poppy. Aubrey Graham. Jimmy Brooks. Yeah, Degrassi. Oh, yeah, if you know, oh you know. okay, okay. If, if, you, right. if you know, you know. Come on. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's at it again. He's running amok. He's out here um, impregnating every single woman that he could come across. Including emojis. Uh, okay. Including. If it, co- even if ever. it results in terrible album covers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I hate it very much. But CLB is finally here after a freaking, what, eight months delay, I think. Because I think it was supposed to be originally on January. January, February, mm-hmm. and now we're in September, and it's finally out. Uh, so, Certified Lover Boy out, and a couple weeks prior to that, if you were keeping up with the the hip hop sphere, if you're just a fan of music, you may have heard of Mr. Kanye, Kanye uh, West going crazy with mm-hmm. the listening parties. Mm-hmm. You know, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Maybe you heard about it. Atlanta, Georgia, two listening parties uh, in a row. Well, people not in a row. Crazy people calling it classic before it even came out. Not in a row. I didn't call it classic. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. That's not what you said at all. Not, not. Sitting uh, on this couch saying, I think metal, this might be. Look, okay. We're, we're going to get uh-huh. into it in a bit. Uh-huh. If you would have heard what I heard on that day, because you didn't hear like. No, this, that's true. I didn't I'm listen saying. to listen party. I yeah. ended up listening to like the final album. Yeah. Um, But. um, So t- two listening parties were in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And then. 
uh, Soldier Field was the, the host of the third listening party in Chicago, uh, which was appropriate considering the theme of this album, which was mainly uh, revolving around uh, his late great mother, uh, Donda West. And in the middle of all that was some uh some shots being thrown, you know, like all it the feud all, continues. Yeah, like how it's been for a couple years. You thought you thought it was kind of dying down. You thought maybe they had finally settled different. There was even there was talks. There there was there was rumblings. Ain't nobody pro- ever gonna bury the hatchet with a petty ass. Uh, what's his name again? Drake. No, I'm just saying. Like there there was rumblings prior to this happening that they were talking again. Uh huh. Uh, and obviously they have each other's phone numbers, so maybe they were. Maybe they were trying to do something, and like maybe it got to that point. With wolves, finally. Oh uh, well, uh, Calabasas is the new Abu Dhabi. Ah. Yeah, that was that was that that is what it was gonna be called. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of everything that's happened, transpired, and I can't get into it. All right, if you if y'all really want to find out what's going on, there's there's. If you really- really want to keep up with the petty ass drama that is hip-hop that is between like kanye and drake feel free like i mostly if you guys know you know i'm in it for the music i don't deal with the drama or the competition or any of that but you know every once in a while you do get sucked in especially when it comes to me and my men yay so you know so yeah been going down so yeah like mm-hmm. like she said a lot of back and forth mm-hmm. a lot of videos out there I would like to talk about it, but we got other stuff to talk about. We're really going to talk about the music here. So, mm-hmm. you know, drama aside, back and forth the shot, back and forth the side. Um, let's strictly keep it music. Now, Donda. So I heard pieces. First impressions, I need to know. Yeah. Okay. I heard initially pieces of the first listening party. I didn't hear too many of it. Uh, so certain songs were kind of like half for me. Some songs I didn't hear at all. And I kind of just forgot about it just was just like all right don't care when the when the actual album comes out i'll listen to it then album still didn't drop and then second listening party was announced now that one i'm like all right i can't i can't wait anymore because at this point he's gonna do his thing again where he's not gonna drop it so let me at least cast the second listening party and turn up mm-hmm. and my god that was amazing yeah. That second lesson party w- was too lit. I remember coming in from a Bumble day, me walking in through the door, and you were literally almost like just comatose sitting on the couch saying like Vettel. I was flabbergasted. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it was like the visuals that maybe did it too. Uh-huh. Because like the visuals. It was a full sensory experience. Yeah, plus like the having it happening in live time. Like uh-huh. I'm watching it there on, on Apple Music. Um the the songs I was I was listening to like the song back to back to back I'm like oh my god what this. was the what was the song that gave you the most impact upon like first listen on the second listen part oh on uh probably keep my spirit alive mm, yeah twenty four uh I mean off remote the grid control? off the grid yeah remote control yeah off all those four those four twenty four well. keep my spirit alive off the grid and remote were probably like the four where like when I heard them I'm like oh Jesus this is insane, like it was just like and I and I think the you know I, I, people don't think about this a lot but the the track listing the order of the track list is very important very yeah. important so and what I heard that night second listening party was uh it was I think to me the track listing was way better yeah it was incredible was it su- uh, because of, like. You said I was out. I, I didn't get the privilege of actually listening to the listening party. So was it really that differently rearranged as yeah. far as the order of the songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we move on to the third listening party, uh, which I was a little bit more uh, half on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would kind of tune in because at this point I was kind of done. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, all right, I'm not about to stick around and listen to the same song again, which technically it weren't the exact same song because some songs had newer verses. Um, Yay had a new verse on some songs. Yay being yay and tweaking things at the last minute. Yeah. And I, I, and I was kind of over it at that point. I would, mm-hmm. like I, said, I would check in time to time and I would see what was going. Uh, when it was finally all said and done, Yay was on fire. You know, coming out of a coming out of a house, literally on fire, in, mm-hmm. in, at the live performance. So it got crazy. You know, it got crazy. And that Sunday, because I think that happened on a Thursday. That Sunday, he dropped the album. He dropped it. Yeah, that he did. And, and I screamed in the middle of my bedroom. Uh, but prior to that, I heard it. I'd already heard it through the leaks. You know, mm-hmm. you know. Shout out to the to all the Kanye uh uh leaks hackers out to there. All the pirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Kanye's cousin for uh, leaking <laughs> something again. <laughs> That's so fucked up. Uh, but, yeah, I listened to it uh, officially. And I still liked it. Mm-hmm. I still like it. Um, I think there is a part of me that feels like... Because I don't think it's too long, to be honest. I don't, I don't think it's too long. I just kind of feel underwhelmed at certain points. Mm. Um... And and I because know this y- is his longest project to date. Yeah, it's like an hour forty something. Yeah, right? yeah, it's almost two hours. Yeah, which is crazy for like anybody. Mm-hmm. Two hours worth of music. Scorpion was pretty long too, though. Scorpion yeah, Drake Drake singing. gets that that criticism from me too. Yeah, yeah Scorpion and I don't and Scorpion to me is. I remember it felt like it dragged forever, and I listened to it as soon as it dropped because I was in the midst of like his whole thing with him and Future, and like so I. You I push rem- the tea? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I said future. <laughs> but yeah, no. And I remember listening to it in the gym. And I finished with my workout, which never happens before the album was done. And like, that's how I knew it was too long. Oh, yeah. No, that that album was uh, ridiculously long. And obviously, Scorpion is, doesn't hold a candle to Donda, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But Yay, to me, a lot of people are saying that this is what J.I.K. should have been. Jesus is King. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever would have released a Jesus is King type album this long in my opinion. But it does sound like a man who has kind of like found a little middle ground to where like it's obviously still very religious, still very heavy in that tone, but it's not like an overabundance. It's not like yeah. it's not super preachy, preachy, which I can which I can appreciate. And you felt like JIK was super preachy. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, and I, that I, it wasn't like it, yeah. I can't I can't say it's super preachy because at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's a yeah. gospel album, right? Yeah, so I, I can't exactly. call it. So it's very like you can't a, call a gospel album preachy because I mean, it's, it's oxymoron. A gospel album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like, but what, the the mental state that Kanye was in at the time when it came to JIK, and I feel like worries come now, especially with the whole. Uh, divorce happening with Kim mm-hmm. uh, obviously it's probably taking a toll on him I can only imagine but where he is now with this album I feel like this is what we're gonna get kind of just in this place I, of where I'll he be, is I'll be honest and maybe I couldn't see uh, I'm sorry to cut you off but I was gonna say I couldn't see Ye making another album but this at this point in time if that so makes you sense you felt like this was the most like this felt like the most predictably authentic representation of the music that who's going to end up making with everything going on in his life right now. Yeah. I think that's, uh, 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 and I'm glad you said that. I didn't think about that predictable. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where it ultimately that's, comes down uh, to. Here's, here's the, th- hmm. so you can go ahead. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I think that with me, I, I, like I said, I didn't get to listen to any of the listening parties, the first one, the second one, or the third one. And you did, 
I mean, I did have access to the music prior beforehand if I did want to listen to the tracks, but it just so happened that, you know, I got a chance to listen to the album on Sunday morning, just like everybody else. And the thing is that with with yay albums or with any albums in general, a lot of times what I end up doing is I don't like to give my opinion on music until I've listened to it about two or three times over. Because first, I don't trust my first impression on shit. I don't because I'll emotionally react to things. Like I may love something too much and then, you know, listen to it three times later and be like, what the fuck was this? I like, I was way too hype. But now that I've listened to Donda maybe about two times in total one time most of the way all the way through i feel i feel honestly i feel sort of disenchanted that is a big that is a big thing for me to use because like i said we don't stand in this show like if we did we could probably advocate for people like Issa Rae and Kanye West but we refuse to stand in the show me including i i don't stand for Kanye West but i do love him extensively and a lot of the art that he puts out and i i try so very hard to understand where he's coming from whenever he puts out a project and try to see okay like what is it that he's trying to create with this what moment is he trying to do mm-hmm. and with this i just felt like first of all i thought it was really weird that he didn't list any of the features on the album did you notice that he did that yeah we talked about that on uh, the other podcast oh yeah yeah we made that we, i brought up that point yeah i thought that was really weird and so like when i would listen to things like gel 2 and i'd be like that sounds really familiar who said i had to find out that it was the baby by like googling it and stuff i uh, I, I brought up that point on the other podcast because I hate when artists do that. He's not the first time to do this. A lot of artists do this where they're like list songs and they want to have their features listed, even though obviously there's a feature on it. Uh-huh. And I always kind of find it annoying. I'm just like, bro, just list them. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Like it, it like that really bothered me. It just, in the fact that he, I, I don't know, like Kanye's always been a very collaborative artist. So he's always had a lot of features, yeah. like even back like from like pre-graduation and all of that stuff. That's always been his thing. But it's just like now Everything just feels very performative. Everything just feels like, I don't know what you're trying to say. Like, I know that you're going through this sort of like religious undertaking and that you're going through all of these things with like Kim and all of that. But to be quite honest with you, like, and I know that we're probably going to get to CLB here in a minute. Like, and I did like some tracks. Let's see. What tracks did I actually like from Donda? And I like a lot of them, but which ones actually gripped me and made me feel like... You know, like, yes, this is this is a Kanye album. This is like, um, this is like, yay. This is like Pablo. This is like uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Um, I liked I liked off the grid. Yeah, I liked um, uh, keep my spirit alive. I liked uh, Jesus Lord and I liked come to life mm-hmm. and. But I felt like even when I liked songs like Come to Life, it's like I felt like he made them specifically for me to like, you know, just like because they were very like ampy. They were they they were constructed in a way to make you feel good, but it didn't make I never felt at any point in time that he was trying to tell me how he was feeling. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was this wall between between me and the music to let me know what Kanye was going through. I didn't feel like I was hearing anything that was super personal. You know, unlike, and this is what I was about to go into, unlike um, 
Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm blanking on it. C. No, not CLB. Pablo. No, Life After the Party. Oh, oh yeah. Life of the Party. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um. You want to get more insight into what that is? Yeah, Life of the Party is a single that. Not a single. Whatever. It's a leak track. It's a leak track. Whatever. It's a single. Not a single. What's the difference? Single is put out by a record company. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Semantics aside, because he wants to show off right now. <laughs> um, Life of the Party was a leak track that Drizzy, of all people, came out with. And it's uh, Kanye West and Andre 3000 for like a good, what, solid six, six minutes, minutes? Six, seven minutes. Six minutes. And this is it. This is just like a small nugget, a small example of everything that I wanted Don to be. You know? Because I... Everything about that one track was so strongly vulnerable. And yes, Kanye killed it. Like Andre 3000's verses were like phenomenal work, completely out there. And I feel like I got so much more emotion and so much more, uh, so much more storytelling out of that one six minute track than I did all of Donda and frankly, all of CLB. I mean, CLB had like, uh, CLB was cra- uh, was catchy. Which was all fine and good, but I don't feel like either either Donda or CLB stuck with me the way that this one single track did, which was ridiculous. Out of the two biggest, uh, out of two of the biggest artists of our time, that they can let me not let me down. That sounds so fucking pretentious on my end, but that can that I'm so disenchanted by them right now, but so impressed by this one track just makes me believe that. They didn't give me what I wanted or what I thought that I needed, which is fine as one person. They don't have to serve me in particular, but that's just my take. Oh, uh, when you say disenchanted, do you think that has to do with like hype? Did you go into it like very hyped? No, you know what? Because like I've been, I know Yay, and I know his track record of like saying that he's going to put out something and then, you know, saying psych. You know, and then changing things up at the last minute. So I didn't have a lot of my heart invested as to like when this is actually when Donda was going to come out, especially after he changed the date like three different times. Yeah. Um. So that definitely wasn't the case. It wasn't necessarily an overhypeness. It was just. I know Ye's body of work and I always when I when I go into listening to one of his albums I expect to not just not just hear a story but also hear this uh, hear the story from a perspective of a man that can look at the world in only a way that he can you know and I I, I just didn't get that from Donda personally you know um it felt the both albums felt kind of shallow but that's just me Hmm. See, I don't get that. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he was definitely saying a lot of things on uh, on Donda for sure. Yeah. I, I th- felt like he was trying to say a lot of things, if that makes any sense. Uh, and I don't know. And I've never, you know me, I've never, I've always put Kanye in the in the pedestal of being one of the most authentic artists of our time. Mm-hmm. I've always valued the fact that he, he is a lot of things. Kanye West is a lot of things, but... Um, but doing things strictly for attention or strictly for marketing purposes, I just never thought that he would be capable of doing that. And now I just feel like, I don't know, it just, I'm not getting the same sort of artistry that I'm, that I'm used to. And I'm not saying that this is, that I've fallen off the Kanye bandwagon. I'm not, I'm just not impressed. And I'm surprised that I'm so unimpressed. But that's funny because Kanye ultimately has always served himself. Mm-hmm. right people want to yeah. think that he's making this music so other people connect and yeah obviously 
there is that part of him that didn't genuinely care that people receive his music in a certain way and hopefully it helps them out mm-hmm. in their life. You know, whether that be just enjoying it to enjoy it or it touching them in a very special way. But ultimately, Kanye has proven time and time again that it's about him. Yeah. Right. When he makes music, it's about him. And he's never shot away for that, especially on Pablo. With yeah, a big that's especially... fine. I guess I've just come across my first Kanye album that I didn't like, like six, seven albums in, eight, eight, nine? Nine. Nine? I think, yeah. and I think this is the ninth album, if you count like Watch a Throne and all the other collabs. Cool Summer and all that, yeah. yeah. Um, But especially like albums like Dark Fantasy, Jesus, uh, Life of Pablo, it's always, it's about him at the end of the day, right? And I just find it funny that an album that's once again about him is the one if if this one in particular that just doesn't you know job with you i just i don't i don't i don't know there's something about it that just doesn't feel truthful to me and like maybe after i listen to like and somebody else like uh this guy that i went out with this uh one other day he's uh, i was telling him about this and he said well maybe it's a grower and i didn't think about it in that way you know like there was a yeezus was a grower for me and now it's one of my favorite albums so who knows maybe in six months from now i'll feel different but for right now like donda is just not it's just not gonna it's just not gonna for me uh yeah, that could be true. Uh, I definitely love it. I think more in the fact that I I, I really like seeing a lot of the features shine mm-hmm. because a lot of the features took up the oh, show. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And but that that's was like, that and, was my big issue. No, no, for me, I love it. Uh, to me, that was an issue because I, I just love Ye really giving that platform to like mm-hmm. these artists, and I really hear them like pour their soul and like just rap their ass off on certain tracks, and I'm like, yes, like hearing I like do. Conway and Westside Gun. On, on a contract, like, this is incredible. Like, just knowing there's... And maybe I'm, like, too invested because I know a lot of these artists, like, story and I'm mm-hmm. super invested when it comes to that. But hearing that, hearing Fabio Verge on Off The Grid going crazy, hearing uh, Playboy Cardi going insane on two tracks. Um, Thug, of course, has done stuff with Ye, but this is, like, you know, uh, to me, another level for, for Thug. There's just so many highlights when it came to the feature that I'm like, man, I just love that Ye. Do you think that he... Do you think that was intentional for him? I mean, he's... Like I said, he's always been a collaborative artist. He's always loved working with other people and putting other people on a pedestal. But do you feel, do you feel like that was maybe the main purpose of Donda beside and so much so where like the story and everything, at least for me, took a backseat? I feel like maybe he relied a little bit too heavy. Maybe uh-huh. that's, maybe, maybe that could be your issue. Maybe he put, put a little bit too much strength in the features to where he kind of fell back. Yay. Yeah. You know? I didn't get him enough like yay storytelling from that. Yeah. I think that, that think we cracked the code. I think that's what it was. It could be it. Mm-hmm. But enough about Donda. It's a good album. Go check it out if you still haven't. You yeah, know? yeah. Make up your own mind, you know. Yeah. Um. But now moving on to Drizzy Drake, mm-hmm. CLB Certified Lover Boy. Um. I was really hyped about it the first time I listened to it, but I think now on like my what fourth or fifth listen, um, I'm kind of over it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh. To me, it really just dawned on me like this is the exact same Drake formula, which he does well. That's the thing about it. He does it well, like like nobody else. Uh, but after like the fourth or fifth spin, it kind of just, it's the same old song, same old dance kind of thing. And I'm like, these songs are good. I really, I really love these songs, you know, Sh- Champagne Poetry, love it. TSU, love it. Uh, I know, <sighs> you replayed Come that on. thing about like 20 times in one night. Get along better with your friends, with Ty Dolla Sign, <sighs> crazy, you know. Um, uh, was it, uh, 7 p.m. on Brado, on Brado Pass, um, like good, uh, I'm too sexy song. I'm not really a big two fan of that. Nah, and of course nah, the, uh, nah. and of course the, uh, uh, girls like girls with that, uh, that lesbian line. Yeah, no, that is the most <laughs> cheesiest, most Drake, 
No, it's not even a Drake yes, thing. Yes, it is. It's that is very like, Drake. That is not a Drake. It's just so... This is the second lesbian line. Don't you remember uh, Every Girl in the World was Young Money? Are you, and this is what Drake said. Uh-huh. And are you, are you into girls like I am? Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Let's be honest. Let's be... You know you know, Kanye said that was his favorite verse of the, of the year? Well, that's because it's funny. That's because it's funny. Yeah. Are you in a girls like I am? Let's be honest. <laughs> Come on. But that's because it's funny. And that, that sounds like a very, like, not that, like, Kanye would say that, but, like, that's a very, like, young Kanye line. That's Kanye a, loved it. Yeah, exactly. He called that his verse sounds, of the, well, Because Kanye loves puns. Yes. Kanye's a big fan of puns. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. So those are your favorite tracks from Oh, I have, I have more. I just can't think of them on top of my... Uh, uh-huh. Knife Talk... Um, what else was there? Uh, the one was a little. How the one was a little dark. This album run. This one was pretty long too. This was an hour twenty six. What's the one with a little dark? What was it called again? It was like right after Girls Like Girls. What was that one? Right after Girls Like Girls. Yeah. It was uh, in the Bible. Yeah, that one. Yeah. With Gibeon. Yeah, Gibeon. Gibeon and, and, and dark is on oh there. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, you know, Gibeon killed it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you never meet him. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why do you have to bestow that curse <laughs> upon me? Anyway, uh, no, uh, certified lover boy. I mean, first listen, I was totally hyped on it. I loved it, and I think that, um, honestly, like I was listening to it while I was doing a bunch of other things too. So it might have been just that I was that I fell in love with it. Not so much for the verses, but for, like, the catchiness that, like, Drake always brings yeah. on to, like, any album. Like, whatever. Like, you already know that there's going to be at least one TikTok-worthy song on there. You know, that it was somebody's good, that all the Gen Zers or whoever are going to dance I'm too to. sexy making the rounds right now. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, we already called it. We already knew. I mean, there's a lot of songs on there that are super catchy. And that's what made me really love it the first time around. I remember... Me just saying, oh, completely blew Donda out of the water. I can't believe it. I can't believe that I have to say this. You know, it's heartbreaking for me to admit that kind of thing. And now, you know, obviously, I don't think I've it blew re- Donda. No, out of the that's water. what I'm saying. Now I've like revised <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, now I equally dislike them or disenchanted by both of them. Mm-hmm. But I will say that one of the uh, songs that I, I feel like the last couple of tracks on the album are really, really good and that have really stuck with me. But, um, but two that I keep go well three that I keep going back to, uh, was Love All the one with the uh, the Jay Z feature and Fair Trade. Um, Travis I, Scott. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and Fair Trade not not so much because Travis Scott's on it uh, on it obviously, but just because I I I don't know I I really like the I really like the confidence and I really like like what the song in itself is saying um i remember um i was listening to a podcast the other day that uh that they were saying you know drake has now gotten to a point where he has reached a certain level of success where it seems like at this point if he's still having issues with like girls and with friends and with family that maybe it's just him you know like you you have to take accountability at some point and um i feel like it's always been him yeah, well, the thing is, is Drake is a very sensitive dude. Doesn't matter. So it's always been him. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Anyway, I love I love Fair Trade. I love uh, love all. Now here, I want you to explain something to me in the world of hip hop. You, you like pipe you to- down, don't you too? What you like pipe down? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, like, lo- like, I need you to break something down with me. When 
when people know when people in the hip hop industry know that two certain certain individuals are having beef with each other and do not like each other, mm-hmm. what's to keep them? Do does one of the parties get offended if like their friend goes off and features on the other person's album? Yeah, that could definitely okay. be seen as a as a slight. Exactly, that's what I thought. So, like, imagine my surprise when I'm listening to CLB and Love All comes on with Jay Z. You know, and Jay Z's like uh, saying all of these different verses, and I'm like, is he referencing? Like, is he? I, I don't understand because of the whole relationship with Jay Z and Kanye is sometimes very wishy washy, and I don't know exactly where they stand. And I know that we said that we weren't going to get into the drama. So no, I mean it's very weird because i feel like he's not talking about yay man because just but he knows what it looks like when he's saying those kinds of things in a drake song maybe. right like I he has give, to know what he's doing maybe but i think we give jay-z too much credit sometimes like i already told you how i feel about jay as him not being as smart as i think most people think he is yeah and i think some people just give him a little too much credit when it comes I to mean, like stuff that's like just this like that's not even like some like smart smart that's just eq that's just emotional intelligence like come on you're not gonna do a homie like that if you know you if you know they're like going through a thing, like I said, I, don't I, per- know. I personally don't think he's talking about yay at all. And most people, I don't think this conversation has come up at all, really, with like major hip hop bloggers. Yeah, and then there's uh, the other, the third track that I really liked was I Am Y Two, you oh, know, yeah. with Kid Cudi. I miss you, you too. Yeah, and like, uh, and like, you know, Cudi is Kanye's boy. So again, I don't understand. Are they? <laughs> I mean, you I- remember the mental health line in <sighs> Two Bird One Stone? Here's the thing, though, is that I don't know where the line lies with people like, are they mature? I don't feel like these hip hop heads and these rappers are mature enough to say, oh, uh, it's all professional. It's all business. You know, you can go on whatever feature, you know, make your bread, son. It's all cool. Like, I don't believe they're like that. So I do think that they would get offended if you were to get on another song with this other uh, with this other person that you have an issue with. So, I mean, obviously, they were mature enough to, you know. Let bygones be bygones for what happened a couple of years ago with Cuddy and Drake, and you know, yeah, and uh, you know, be able to make a song together. So yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Oh, uh, um, certified lover boy, super catchy to me. Um, I was gonna ask one more thing. Yeah, like, so. do you ultimately get it? If that makes sense. What do you mean? The, like, the, I, the album? I think Drake makes a type of music that's when it comes to like women, especially that listen to Drake. <laughs> It's like certain things he says in certain situations he's in and certain like his personality that I don't know if you get it all the time. Like what's he like really doing? Are you talking about me in particular? Yeah, you specific because I think you exist in a very you exist in this world where when it comes to like you and like your relationship You're with men. You're gonna find some way to insult me, aren't you? No, no, no. Uh-huh. I think when it comes to like you and you, uh, what type of men you interact with, I don't know if you get what Drake is like really doing out here. I don't understand what you mean. Like, like, what do you mean? First of all, what do you mean with the type of men that I interact with? And two, what do you mean? Like, as far as like him, like, uh, what was that line that he used? Oh, I had to like fuck a million bitches to get you son or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think what I mean is like, and when I say you the type of guy, like, I don't think you, you, you mess with the type of guy that's like Drake. On a very like even surface level, right? Not the, 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 the pretty boys yeah, that yeah. can grab anyone. No, because you know me, I, I I'm too egotistical exactly. for that. Like I need that emotional security so, of like the guy wanting me. So I think I, I think that's what I mean. I'm like, do you get like what Drake is like really doing when it comes to like? Because I get it, right? 
Uh, do you I, mean in the sense that he makes his music mostly for women, but like his rap skills attract the men? Not at all. I think it's more so like the type of like vibe and swagger you bring when it comes to like knowing what you know, like certain like small details about like how a man will communicate to a girl. And if you're not really in the know of like what that guy is like doing, you can't really like you can't really figure it out. Like unless you know, like you look at it, like I know what you're like, what you're doing right now, like kind of like that kind of thing. Like when he's like trying to woo women with his lines, I don't understand what you're saying. I, I, it's not like a particular like verbiage. It's just kind of like that that feeling. It's just like you know, like what he's like doing. I mean, do you mean that in the sense of like, um, not just Giveon, but who is that other like R and B artist that like people? Uh, he's um, starts with an M. Uh, he's Hispanic. Um, I don't know, but like just like Maluma. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. Um, he's probably not even starts with an M. <laughs> but anyway, um, J Balvin. I don't know. He's a no, rapper. but like just like any any R and B artist that is considered like a heartthrob or so, you know, that probably does get a lot of chicks because of the music that he makes. Yeah, is that what you're referencing to? No, it's not I so- then I don't understand what you mean when I like when you say that I don't get what Drake's trying to do. Like, I think I mean when I say you don't get, I think I'm more trying to say like, do you feel like you could ever be in the position to where Drake? Where I is- would throw my panties at Drake's head. No, 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 no. it's not about no, you. No, I would attractive. do it at Old Billy Joel, but it's not. It's not you being you attract. It's not about you throwing your bloomers. It's about. <laughs> It's a, it's more about like, do you do you think you could ever find yourself in a position where you can like, snap out of like snap out of the trance that Drake has you under and be like, oh crap, he's really doing this to me. Oh, like okay. that. That's what I mean. I don't know. I don't think that I would fall for Drake. Did we have this conversation? The, was it? Yeah, I mean, I asked you. Else? I asked you like, what what would happen if Drake like asked you to dinner? Actually, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I think you would because you said you didn't. You wouldn't know what to do. You said you'd be like so dumbfounded. You would like freeze up and like i think that i think what would happen if if drizzy if drizzy actually asked me out i think i would think one or two things would happen i would either say no right off the bat because i think that it'd be a cruel cruel joke Mm -hmm. or two i would go literally with zero expectations in mind and i don't even mean that for like sex or anything like that literally just so i could order the most expensive dessert off the menu and like have decent conversation and then peace out because there's no way and maybe this says more about me internally than anything else there's no may there's no way that i could capture that man's attention genuinely even though we know that like drizzy's been known to like like frequent um, normal girls yeah yeah the normies i guess is yeah. what you would call me you know the hairdressers or you the know strippers just, the yeah, waitress yeah. the bartenders exactly yeah. exactly the podcasters you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> but, but you know what i'm saying is that i just i just don't have any faith that i could be able to hold his attention so i i'd be like hey you know give me like the 13 layer ice cream sundae let's like chop it up over some music and stuff and then like peace bro it was nice knowing you for three hours first of all you will be wasting most of that 13 layer ice cream knowing you okay all right all right you don't have to go there <laughs> i have to hit you where it hurts uh-huh. uh but yeah certified lover boy i like it uh donda to me gets like a 7.5 certified lover boy gets a seven um and that's that's it yeah yeah both probably solid sixes maybe clb is a 6.5 for me mm. mm-hmm. okay all right what's next so 
You know it. You love it. It's the return of mine's, maybe yours, but I know a lot of people listening's favorite segment. That's right. We got a lot of requests for this one coming back. It is Conspiracy Esquina Corner. Conspiracy Corner. 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 Yes. Corner. Conspiracy Corner. You already know what it is. It's back. I mean, you thought I was going to get rid of this? Of course not. It's our money maker. <laughs> whatever money, whatever virtual money that may be, mm-hmm. you know, El Salvador, shout, shout, shout out to you with the Bitcoin thing going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, what, so the thing I want to talk about when it comes to this conspiracy corner is, uh, do you know what coriander is? That's a spice. Coriander, right? Yeah, it's supposed to taste like toothpaste. So it's more commonly known to most people as cilantro, right? Oh, is yeah. that mm-hmm. really what it's called? Yeah. Oh. Yep. So cor- coriander is essentially cilantro. Uh, it comes in very, uh, it comes in various ways, but essentially it's just cilantro. Um, so cilantro, I'm, I'm gonna say that in my English voice, and cilantro. Cilantro. Uh, yeah. So people can understand what I'm saying, is very uh split among people because, let's say, I'm, I'm making a huge assumption, 50% of the population thinks it's really really good it's delicious you can put it on your tacos you can eat it with a variety of food right mm-hmm. and the other 50 percent thinks it tastes like dish soap mm-hmm. and they hate it and they can't understand why other people like it well there's a conspiracy that said that coriander essentially tells you whether you are healthy or not and that when you digest it if you uh like it if you like the taste then you are probably um your immune system is probably better and you're probably going to have a more longer lasting life because of it, because you're just genetically already built to kind of, uh, you know, take that in and it kind of like identify like, Oh, this is a healthy person. Shout out to Mexicanos being the superior race. Yes. Right on. Go on. Not a race. Mexican, uh-huh. not a race. Nationality. Uh-huh. Got to bring that back. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's kind of almost like a detector, you know, kind of like a little like metal detector, but like leaf form telling you like, hey, you're, you're, you're good. You're on the right track and uh, we're in this together kind of thing. Uh, but if you don't like cilantro, people have uh, the theory said that you are probably more prone to diseases, uh, to being sick and just overall having a very bad, bad health in general. Uh, now, you want to step it up. You want to take a, a further you want to take it uh, a little bit further some people say that cilantro is not even from this earth and it was actually from an alien planet that was brought down a long time ago planted and then early humans what ate it what kind of human beings are you having these conversations with Ricardo? I'm not I'm just looking stuff up mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not so yeah alien plant brought down to earth early humans ate it and then from there it kind of just spread you know just the human genome and just adapting food into their body and that's why cilantro has the effect effect it does so next time you cilantro and you're enjoying it or maybe not enjoying it just remember that you could be living a prosperous life or you could be dying at the very moment yeah so that's a conspiracy corner mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right and then to round us out, we have the segment. Uh, my personal favorite is a good looking out. This is where we go ahead and we break you off a piece of what we've been listening, what we've been watching, the things that have really been affecting us uh, and stayed with us all week that we want to share with you. So, Mexicano, you give it to me. What have you been watching, listening to lately? Nothing. I don't watch anything. I don't listen to anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have ears. I don't have eyes. Mm-hmm. 
which you're seeing right now is a replica mm-hmm. of that. It's just a bunch of cilantro like sewed together. Pretty much. It's CGI. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. With, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but all honesty, uh, I've caught a lot of stuff, but what I've recently seen that I really enjoyed was the new Candyman. You know, it's finally out. Came out last uh, last Friday, I believe, but I saw it on a uh, when did I go Sunday. I went, on, yeah, I went on a Sunday. I don't remember. I think it was a Sunday. Anyway, I want to go see it. Uh, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, it's great. People who have never seen Candyman, like, can you give us an synopsis of Candyman with a spoiler? Yeah, yeah, I was a, yeah, yeah. So like this is so, it a spoiler when it's a remake? That's a it's not a remake. That's the thing. Own. That's that's the thing. You think it's a remake? Hmm. It's actually a sequel. Ah. That's where it gets you. You think you're going into, like, about to see a remake? No, it's, a, it's essentially a sequel. Um, if you've seen the first one, it, it makes a lot of hints towards that one and, like, various characters and, like, events that happen. Um, so, in, and even if you haven't, uh, the mil- movie does a pretty good good uh, way of, like, introducing certain things that happen if you hadn't seen the first one. So, it, it kind of fills you in, but not overly to where you obviously know every single detail but it does give you the the big chunks the synopsis yeah it gives you the big chunks of like what happened in the first one and from there kind of leads into the madness of like what's happening in the current yeah, age yeah never seen Candyman never even really heard of it a whole lot like maybe in corner pockets here and there but yeah I mean just just think of the hassling and slasher but more gangster and more deadly <laughs> okay so I hook, can do that I can do that instead of a pa- spatula it's a, yeah. it's a hook uh-huh. And you know he's going around, and he's you know. Was well, he, the Hashling and Slasher based off of Candyman, like a parody of sorts? Mm, I don't think so. No, maybe no. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's a good that's a good idea to think about. Um, but no, uh, just terrorizing people. Um, if you know the whole like trope, uh, say Candyman three times in the mirror, and he'll appear, and he'll. Mary? Yeah, but oh. uh, and this one actually changed it to five times. Ten to five times in the mirror, say it, and he'll come and you know pretty much you know in your life right then and there, just mm-hmm. drop your body. Um, and like I say, you've seen the original, you kind of know like the whole motif of like the bees, you know the the certain like look of his body and like you know like I say without giving every uh, too much away, mm-hmm. um, the whole legend behind him being the Candyman, like the name and all that. And uh, the the kind of like the social commentary that the original had, and also in this one, obviously. With uh, gentrification and, like, the destruction of, like, the hood due to, like, you know, certain communities moving in and pushing other ones out. And, you know, it being based in Chicago was Cabrini Green's, you know, being a, a focal point once again. And this movie definitely deals with, like, the legacy of the original the original causes of what led to the, to the, to the myth and the legend and, like, the being that is Candyman. And this is just the legacy continuing. And just the the constant cycle of uh, bad, yes, but also almost like a glimmer of hope of like what he kind of represents. Like there's some good in there, even though it's like wrapped wrapped up in a bloody so question, bloody blanket. Was it, was it scary? Did it scare the shit out of you? Did you like it? It didn't scare the crap out of me because I'm, a, I'm an I'm an alpha and nothing really scares me. But <laughs> uh, it, it had its moments, it had its little jumps, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it scared me a little, but it wasn't like like I said for me, I don't really get too scared by most movies. Uh, there there were some moments where I was like, mm, "Where's it going?" Like I had to like kind of like, like look around a bit. Like, anybody seen what I'm seeing? You know, like uh-huh. kind of thing. So yeah, it, but it, yeah, definitely in a movie theater setting, uh, it's well worth it just because you get the you know jump scares and just all the and it and it and it didn't really go too crazy with the jump scares. It was very suspenseful when it came to like the kills and all that. Mm. So I really appreciated that. 
because you know this is like a mythological person so like when you see him you can't believe like what you're seeing right so like when he first shows up it's not like he has to like jump at you it's kind of like oh crap here's this man he looks like a regular man so like in this world everybody knows about Candyman the way that people know about boogeyman or is it no well if you know you know if you yeah if you know if you know like what's really going on and yeah but if you don't yeah to you it's just like another myth Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. okay okay so how many do you got a little sources again i give it a solid eight solid eight solid eight man It it was a great movie uh shout out to the you know jordan peele helped produce it uh great movie once again just adding to his repertoire of uh, great projects and and everything else that he does um yeah it's great uh definitely a uh it's gonna be a halloween do you feel like a funness and all that do you feel like it was do you feel like Candyman was refreshing in that it was a movie because because like you said it was like uh not necessarily a remake but a sequel of sorts like of a movie that was made back in earlier days before being woke and all of that was super cool, right? So do you feel like it was less cringy than a lot of movies can be now when they try too hard or to go for the wokeness? It was still kind of cringy because, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, because it does, of course, talk about gentrification. And sometimes the lo- the wokeness can be a little cringy because when you talk about gentrification, you're obviously going to talk about a lot of the woke factors, you yeah. know. If I if I were to put it that way, that comes along with that type of dialogue. Yeah. So yeah, it it does with certain characters, especially one of the brothers. Um. But I don't know. I think it, I think it handled it well. I don't think it was like too overt, and uh, it deals with art. Like the main character, he's like an artist. Mm-hmm. So there's that element in it when it comes to like you wanting to create certain things and how this evil force can really affect that art and like really overtake you oh wow cool cool dope dope it might be actually one of the ones that i because you know i don't fucks with uh, horror movies like that but you know i might check it out you see the original one the original one's gory as hell Mm -hmm. like very very i'm the recent texas chainsaw massacre so i don't know we'll put it on the list i'll put it on the list (laughs) okay all right and so for my good linking out human beings i'm sure if you've been on the internet for for even like of a speck of a scope in the last 48 hours you know exactly what i'm going to reference here is that you know him you love him you've missed him for the past 20 something years uh but he was back to graces with his presence in the form of a nick jr video and we are talking about our good friend steve so uh about two days ago, I was surfing through the internet, and of course, what comes across my Facebook timeline is a video of our good friend Steve from Blue's Clues just catching up with us and letting us know that, you know, because you remember what happened, right? Do you remember that watching the episode where he sort of just like po- ta- tossed the baton, so to speak, to his brother Joe? Veronica, I don't think I ever told you about this. What? But when it comes to Blue's Clues in my family, it is an obsession. We loved it. The chair, the red chair, we uh-huh. had the chair. Handy Danny Notebook had it. Still got a blanket from 98 in my in my mom's closet. Recite the mailbox for me song. I'm not about to do that. Why not? Because I don't want to. But I know it. Uh-huh. Here's the mail that never froze. Yeah, okay. Wanna... I'll believe it when I hear it. Yeah, okay. Here's the mail that never froze. It makes me want to wear it. Come on. You can't do it. It's a letter from our friends. Like, come on. Yeah, like, uh-huh. like, I know all the bits. Come on. Shovel and Pill. I, I did not know this side of you, Mexicano. Yeah, come on. Like, like, like Blue's Clues is like integral to the Mexicano story. Ah. It's everything. Okay. 
Eddie, my so, little brother, he had the, the the green striped shirt, the khakis, looking like looking like Steve. They sold the shirt. I didn't yes, even know they come sold on. the shirt out like, there this like is, that. This is every day from this elementary, literally. <laughs> I remember having the little notebook. Like that's the one thing that I did have that I begged my mom for is the actual like magic notebook. Had the musical, had the mm-hmm. on VHS when they when they put on a musical mm-hmm. and all that. So yeah. yes, you did see when he passed it on to Joe. Of course. How did, do you remember that moment? What was that moment like for you, Mexicano? It was weird. It was like, it was like okay, like I understand you're going to school. I did like when I just understood like what school was. So I'm like, it's important. So he has to go, you know, you- <laughs> kind of thing. I didn't cry. I didn't like do. You know, I'm an you know, alpha even you know back then. You know, <laughs> you know what it was is that what's so messed up is that even as a kid, I think this is the benefits of like having uncles and aunts that are just that are like eight to ten years older than you so they were watching these shows with me while i was like five or six or seven years old and they were standing there next to me they're like you know he's really not going to school they're doing it because you know he uh i mean and like this is not fiction you guys i mean this is not a fact uh but my uncle told me he's like you know he's doing it because you know he was on drugs or like he has that was the rumor for so long that's what that's what i thought that's literally how i've lived my life that rumor spread everywhere he had the baseball cap so i didn't know if like he really did he did really get sick and he was wearing the hat to like you know cover up his loss of hair he, he wanted to do music he oh, that's the rock what band. it was. That's what it was. That's my all it Steve was. went to go join a band. I remember I watched the tenth anniversary of it on Nickelodeon uh-huh. uh back in two thousand eight, uh-huh. seven or eight, because I think the show premiered in ninety eight, ninety seven. Um and I, yeah, Steve was on it and he was like he was like, Yeah, I heard all these crazy rumors. He was like, I just wanted to be in a rock band. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was it. I just wanted to make music. And so why is he coming back? Lying to us, telling us that he went to school. Okay, it's not like we're his parents or nothing. I mean, we're come on, you got, you got to, you know, you can't disappoint the kids. Whatever. So you got to, you got to tell but them. But we're something. not kids anymore. He even said he even respects exactly. our student loans. Exactly. Our he knows we're ready now. Uh huh. But he did but go no. to school. He said he loved it. He uh-huh. learned a lot. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, anyway, shouts out to Steve. You know, he came across my timeline when I, I, I think not just I needed it, but when a bunch of us sorely needed it. You know, it was, it was nice to see a flash, uh, a flash from the past. And um, I don't know, like it just, it was very heartwarming to me. What was your impression on it, Mexicano? Oh, I loved it. Like I said, like Blue Scoots to me is a very important thing. Like it was like I think that along with SpongeBob is like what really propelled me to like learn english mm-hmm. like really you know watching that and just you know just the fun because you know it was like it was fun it was entertaining and it it, it felt like an, it, to me blue school felt like it never was talking down to me even though literally it's for kids which you're gonna do that to an extent but it didn't feel contrived or like forced if that makes sense did you ever register as a kid that he was like doing sign language to you yeah. at the time i yeah. did not have any he did that all idea. the time he did the thank you yeah i yep. had no idea he did the thank you thing all the time uh and I, yeah, I loved all the characters, you know, uh, shovel and pale mailbox, Mr. Saul, Mr. Pepper, and then Paprika was born. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. you know, Periwinkle, Periwinkle, Magenta. Uh huh. Um, yeah, you know, the, yeah, the little kid that would show up in the in the mail, you know, and I always used to question like they don't live there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you're like that's not true. The kids don't live in mail in in, in, mail, in, mail, in postal cards. You know. Yeah. Okay, Maybe. that's the most fictional. That's the most unbelievable part of that whole show. Okay. Yeah, exactly. All right. Or you know, uh, you know, uh, the, thinking, the thinking chair, of course, mm-hmm. thinking chair, the thinking chair song, uh, the ending song, 
you know, thanks for doing your part. You saw our smart, you know, thanks to you and me and you and my pal Blue. Uh-huh. We could do anything, yeah. Like, it, it's everything to Remix. me. Remix. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's, like I said, it's an integral part. It's a lot. So seeing him show up, yeah, I didn't get, because I'm an alpha and like, <laughs> I'm this kidding. Is like the third time in this podcast. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Alpha. No, but be, I don't know. Like, I get sentimental. Um, I wish I could get a little bit more though, if that makes sense. Like, there's just part of me where it's like, this is nice. But how much are you getting for this, Steve? Like, who's cutting that check? Oh, but that's what you win. Like I don't think he's I don't think he's being dishonest. I don't think he's like yeah. being for, for um f- uh, fictional in his like. It's feeling. one video. I can't imagine that they would have paid him that much to do one video. I think it depends, man. Like it's because he said that he's he's stated many times that he just doesn't want to do it anymore. So I don't know if they forced them, but I'm pretty sure they cut him a, a, a nice Nickelodeon Viacom cut the check. So like uh, you know, shout out to Steve though. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate he took the time to like actually do this and like really give closure, you know, to the blue. So the second thing you've disenchanted me from. Uh, Mexicano. <laughs> uh, <Christanda>. now Steve. <laughs> it just, I appreciate it. I think it's, I think it's heartwarming. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Steve. Shout out to Joe too. Joe's a legend in his own right. I know people right. getting flacked when he get went, but Joe was amazing too, man. He he brought his own, he brought his own vibe to the to the show. Mm-hmm. So I love him, and I can't remember the other guy's name, the new host. Um, I I don't even know. Like I stopped watching after Joe. Like I'll be honest, but that there's only been three hosts. That's it. See, I'm yeah. like I I never knew of the third one. Yeah, but. I mean, that was basically my good looking out is uh, the Blue's Clues video. Like, if you guys haven't checked it, I'm sure that you'll find it across your timeline. If not, it's easily Googleable. But yeah, I mean, I give it for hell for nostalgia's sake. And it attend Veronica stars. Like, it's heartwarming. It's like something that you need to watch and it'll just make you feel good inside. So, um, that, I think, what do you say, Mexicano? Is that our show? That's it. Yeah, all right. Well, thanks so much for rolling with us. Uh, you guys, you know what? You already know what it is. It's ILS season three. We're coming at you big this season. So stick around. And um, in the words of our good friend Steve, we just want to say uh, we never forgot you ever. And uh, uh, we're super glad we're still friends. This has been ILS. We out. Oh! Squat. My hope is that you see how Spanglish has closed the gap and formed a synergistic approach for communication. Thank you.